can turn on Egypt now because he wants to talk with me. Hey, Egypt is with us today. He's. Uh, Dude, I don't, I don't, wow. I don't get it. They don't do that for me. <laughs> you know, it's called ebony and ivory. Me? Okay, ebony. Oh, my God. Come on, buddy. Good day. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yes, sir. Good to see you, bro. You too, yeah. always. <laughs> hey, Egypt and I are always in touch together. We share together oh on a regular basis. So we had an opportunity to set this up. We're excited to have him come to share with us a bit. Tell you what's going on in his ministry, what God has laid on his heart. And uh, I'll tell him when it's time to sit down, okay? <laughs> Could be a while. All right, buddy? All right. Let me pray you. for him. Father, thank you so much for Egypt and for the opportunity we've had mm-hmm. in the past to join together mm-hmm. uh, with a bond that I know will never be broken. How great it is to continue to see his ministry working and powerfully impacting the lives of others. And I ask, Lord, that today as he shares, that you'll remind us of what it is that we need to hear. Of how we can be involved. Of what it is that we need to do so that we might follow the directive you have for each one of us here. Bless all that he does and says. Guide him here this morning, Lord. Bless him incredibly by your power and might. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Bring your jackets. Southern California is going to be cool. <laughs> That's what they said. How's everybody? I am stoked, excited, blessed, honored to be back with you. Um, I want to share with you really the last 14 months in a capsule uh, as a means of a, of a reality check. I think we're all at a place in life where we're often challenged through our regular routine of things and we miss the story for the sake of the story. And I'm reminded how short life really is. And when I look out over this ocean of family faces... I just remember the many years of serving alongside you and loving you and praying with you and crying and laughing with you. And uh, when I say to you, I miss you, that would be maybe an understatement in the history of understatements. So I'll say what's really more appropriate that lodged, it's lodged deep into my soul, and that's that I love you. I really do. Love you, man. Thank you, Jack. I want to take you on this journey. It was only 14 months ago, if you'll remember, that my family and I were on our way to Dallas, Texas. Let me kind of set the stage a little bit because this would be equivalent to you right now, God asking you to pack up and drive somewhere like Duluth, (laughs) the middle of Montana, the middle of the desert where you have no relationships, you have no stability, no family. Maybe a few friends, maybe colleagues that you happen to know there, but no one that you would really say, I would hedge a bet that if I move here, I have an infrastructure in place to really support me. Now let me help you remember something. How many of you have had that friend eventually in life that came along that said something like this? You know, the Lord's been telling me, dot, dot, dot. 
And the Lord told me something, and it's something really pretty crazy. And you look at them, and you want to be happy for them from a spiritual performance perspective. But then there's that, I'm not sure the Lord's talking to you right now. That might be that burrito from last night. You got a little indigestion. And, and it's really kind of hard to discern that. And, and Lee knows this more than anyone. The Lord had really been moving me for three years prior to the actual physical move. So in a large way, I was being quite stubborn. Because the idea that I got this, those three words have become really the staple of uh, an annoying, chalk-piercing fingernail thing in my life, is that phrase. And you hear this demographic called the millennial group, and that's really the young adults from 18 years old through about 35 years old. It's an entire generation of young adults that are kind of right behind us and they represent really the future but there's really this drive that they have that is centered around emotion more than logic and reason and the generation ahead of that is the principal leaders of leadership and discipleship and mentoring and setting the the stage for how life should be and here is kind of my story it was all encompassed in this idea that if i listen to god and i start going public with that then people are going to think I'm crazy. I'm going to lose my cool factor. People are going to think differently of me because if I fail, somehow you'll see me as a loser. And it's interesting how in the house of worship we prop up, even within our own souls, the, the multiple trophies of selfishness and arrogance and pompousness and this outer facade of others admonishing us for what we think we are but that's a moving target it's plastic it's cheap it's paper thin and the lord called me to a place of intense fiery trial and for me that fiery trial really was full-time ministry those of you who know me you know i hate fundraising you know i absolutely despise it i'd rather just be out there doing the work I'd just rather be out there investing in lives, and that's kind of what I'd rather do. But there's a real reality that mama needs to be taken care of. Bills have to be paid. And the truth is, is I made a decision that I was clear that I put it before the Lord, and he made it very clear, I want you to move to Dallas. Now, I want to be very clear, I don't have family in Dallas. And I really, if I say I don't have friends, that wouldn't be true. I have some colleagues in the Dallas area, but these are not people that I have everyday relationships with. These are not people that you would just expect will be there as your boat anchor when push comes to shove in life. So I went before Lee, we prayed a lot. I'll never forget uh, the night I prayed with the elders and just really kind of consummated this prayer. And the biggest stretch for me was really to go public. And that was to share with you what I really felt the Lord was doing. The truth of the matter, it would take a whole lot to just pluck me up from California and send me to Dallas, Texas, and my entire family. Am I leading them into disaster? Am I making an idiotic decision right now? Am I taking on too much risk? Have I lost my mind? How am I going to generate a living? How am I going to take care of my wife? All these questions were swirling in my mind, and yet the Lord kept bringing me back to the Psalms. The Psalms of all places. Psalm 46.10 was that verse where I found so much comfort but so much challenge. I felt as if God was peeling me like a banana, literally exposing every part of me in that soft underbelly of who I really was. I really forgot who I really was. You see, for many of you, you know me. Some of you, you know of me. 
But you know what? That's a public appearance of who I am. The real me you get to know over a period of years. You kind of see my strengths and my weaknesses. Strengths and weaknesses, not my likes and dislikes. Those are two different things. Strengths and weaknesses, likes and dislikes. And you kind of find out how far I can go in things, and you kind of find out what I'm not really good at. And the problem with, say, profit and loss statements is no one really ever manages to the L. You don't manage to the loss in your house, do you? We're going out big. We're going to party like it's 1999, and we're going to tear this, this whole house down. You know, no one does that. You always manage to the P. And see, God has implanted in me this gifting, and yet I still didn't understand it. I thought it was about the ministry in the sense of Egypt. Just speak to as many audiences as you can. Try to build up as many as you can and gain this following. And yet that wasn't the answer. You see, when I left, that's where the journey actually really began. In that truck, I was the one driving my little Honda Civic on the back of that long moving truck while my daughter and my son and my wife were driving the other vehicles and I'm driving really slow in this thing because it really won't go that fast. So I had a whole lot of time to talk to God. And he kept reminding me of Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the earth. I'll be exalted among the nations. And it's actually for I'll be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. So thus the question. And I think oftentimes we don't really ask the right question. Being still. Being quiet. Yeah, I guess God was really saying, Egypt, I need you to not only be still, but I need you to shut up for a period of time. Okay, so a speaker, shut up. A communicator, shut up. Hmm. A construction person, stop building things. Tim Bundy, stop drawing. Stop doing the thing that you are gifted at doing. That's really interesting. So what does that mean, Lord? And that was the question. That was, I asked him, what does that mean? So as I'm driving and driving and driving, we had all of these interesting types of experiences on the long road out to Texas. And we got to see all those little small towns in West Texas. And it's a whole different country out there, y'all. I told you, if you ever saw me in chaps and cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and a bit belt buckle and the steer horns on the front of my car, have me committed. That was kind of what we saw in some of these small places. But I, I saw a different kind of a culture. I saw people just like you and I. And I began asking God, so, so what now? Really, what now? What, what do I do? We're going to a place where I really honestly don't know where we're going. And we had, had it set up that some colleagues of ours, that we would actually go live with them in a house. Now... Married 20 plus years, we have our own family, got our little dog too. Uh, that's kind of a, you know, staying with someone else. Lord Jesus, get us out of there as quickly as possible. It was not a bad thing, but I don't like to be dependent upon anyone in that kind of, when it comes to like house, right? So we had, what was it? Five adults, actually technically we had six adults, three kids, four dogs and one cat under one ruling, under one house. And those three kids were all under age five. So that was our life for the first six weeks. And that was crazy because four of those adults, my wife, myself, my son and daughter, and our little dog too, were all in one bedroom. And the little kids under five made sure that they were heard. 
So we got to love on them, and I love them, and I'm so thankful for that family and those friends, and they were, they were friends and of the ministry and just really kind of adopted us in. But I did everything I could to just, I got to get out here and make some stuff happen. So I remember getting on the phone, and I could give you a long list of who's who, and it really, I had no shame or no temperament for, I don't care who you are. I said, I always said, I'm willing to connect with anyone willing to connect. So yes, I called Pastor Chuck Swindoll. I called Tony Evans. Called, I took every pastor I could possibly think of. I only wanted one thing. I didn't want anything from them. I just wanted a little bit of time. I wanted to sit down and ask this one question. What are you doing about the millennial demographic? What, is, what are you doing? And I actually happened to meet with some of those pastors. And let me tell you what was told to me. Well, you know, we got a really great Tuesday night program. We got all these folks coming on. We got Chick-fil-A coming in, da-da-da. And I was like, pardon me, but that's actually not what I meant. So I have this chart, and I didn't bring it with me, but it's really kind of cool. I actually took the population of the DFW area, and then I have a subtraction for all of those who are incarcerated. Then I have another number of subtraction for all those who are in nursing homes, and then all of those who are under the age of 18. And I, I just have line item by line item, and I have all the list of those isolated to the demographic of 18 years old to 35 years old that go to church versus don't go to church. And the ones that don't go to church, guess what? That's a really big, huge number. And I said, those, that's who I want to know. What are you doing about those? And one of the most prominent pastors that you know, and I'll leave him out because that's really not important, he says, you know what, Egypt? We're not doing anything about them. And as a matter of fact, nobody is. I said, thank you, sir. That's really all I needed to know. And the journey kind of continued to escalate, and I was getting opportunities to go speak in locations after locations, and this verse kept coming back to me. Egypt, be still and know that I am God. And I'm like, Lord, but I, I, I was still last week. And right now, I, 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 you know, come on. Like, really, come on. Like, this two-week trial thing is getting to be too much. But God wanted me to really be still. And if you'll remember, it was only a week ago that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu actually gave a commanding, overwhelmingly powerful speech to the UN, once again declaring the threat that Iran faces to the nation of Israel. And he talked about the silence that had been heard around the world. Now, if you had seen that, and I was watching that live, that 45 seconds felt like 45 days. It's the most eerie, awkward thing I'd ever seen. As a matter of fact, I thought there was something wrong with my television. thought I had lost sound. He stood there and looked at the General Assembly with a serious look and didn't say a single word for that stretch. So with that in mind, I want you to follow through me and kind of step into my shoes here for just a moment. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. It's one thing to be still and maybe discipline yourself not to move, but this wasn't the still that God was talking about. It was the still that Pastor Lee had been shaping me for many years leading up to this time. Chucking all the distractions just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you're purpose to do that. Just because someone asks for you to do something doesn't mean you have to oblige. There was a very key element of margin, which I'm willing to say maybe some of you are running on no margin in your life. Your schedule was booked from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. with no room for error. You couldn't even get a flat tire if you tried. 
because it would have a rippling effect in your schedule. You couldn't stop and offer someone a coffee that you don't know. You wouldn't stop and have time to smile at someone. You wouldn't be able to actually hug your own spouse or your child or a neighbor and look them in the eye and actually affirm them and say, listen, I believe in you. Maybe that's your story, but see, that was my story. I was running at breakneck speed. So let me ask you to just do the exercise that I had to do. I'm just going to give you an opportunity right now. Would you just close your eyes? You don't have to bow your head. We're not praying. But I want you to close your eyes and I want you to do one thing. Just sit still. Don't worry about the person next to you. And I want you to observe everything that you hear for just a few seconds. Is it good and awkward yet? What did you hear? Did you hear the fan? Did you hear a little baby? Thank you, baby. <laughs> Cue the baby. Did you hear anything else? Did any of you hear your own thoughts? Did you hear you thinking about processing things? I got to do this. I got to do that. Something happens when we're actually still. We can actually observe the environment around us. And I'm morphed by the numbers of relationships that are falling apart today. They look wonderful on Sunday morning, but they're living a ravenous wreckage throughout the week. This was my life. I needed to come to a place of simply being still and just listening to the voice of God. It wasn't the ministry that had me off, but God kind of reshaped that and rechanged that. So as opposed to going into all these high schools now, now I'm in universities. I actually didn't even ask for that. As a matter of fact, I didn't even call into those places. How they found me is still a mystery to me. Whether it's TCU or SMU or... Dallas Theological or Texas University, whatever the case may be, I'll go where God gives me the opportunity to go and makes it clear that I need to be there. So that's kind of one aspect of it. The other is that God provided a means for me to provide for my family. And I'll tell you, and anyone in ministry knows this, it's tough being in ministry. Financially, it was, it was extremely challenging. So for me to be able to be in a position to see my wife taken care of. And it wasn't that I wasn't taking care of her before, but I was carrying a load of stress that I should not have. You know, being still and doing nothing are two absolutely different things. You agree with me on that? You know, there's the I will not engage. You know, I'm the, I'm the guy sitting home playing video games and I think I got this down and I won't take on a lesser job because I don't pay dues. I got this. And there's that community. And God elevated me to the second highest position as an operating officer for what was named by Comerica Bank this year, the fastest growing technology business in Dallas. And I'm still blown away by that. Like, what am I doing here? And all along I could hear this one guy's voice who had been writing me, literally 
thrusting me for years, and that was Gary Rorden. He used to always say, Egypt, you would have so much more influence if you were in business. I know you would just rock it. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, Gary, I got this. And it was Gary's voice that I continued to hear just repeat over and over and over again. And I thought to myself, well, this is, the, is this irony or is this weird? Or No, it's just the Lord's provision and how he worked that thing out. So let me share something with you because this was just last week. And I'm now in a market that is purely secular. Matter of fact, it's so secular, it's pretty dark. So the entertainment industry, I'm out in New York Times Square last week and I was invited to be a part of a panel of all, all things, a part of a panel with an, with an advertising agency partner and Bootsy Collins. If any of one of you know who he is, a parliament, Mr. yeah, Terry's over here, yeah. <laughs> I'm on stage with this group to talk about technology and the influence on culture. Sounds like a great opportunity for ministry to me. So I am on the end of a six-man panel. A gentleman named Jimmy Smith's on the other end. He's the one that created the G campaign for Gatorade. You may know of that small little campaign, but that means a lot to Gatorade. And I'm on this panel with these people, and I'm still thinking to myself, what am I doing here? How did I get here? But I'm here, and I was invited here. And at the very end of this press conference-like conference, all these reporters and cameras just eyes on, there's the big advertising executive in the second row. He gets the microphone and he says, last camera, last question, beginning with Egypt. Tell us all what inspires you. I must repeat, Times Square, New York, Hard Rock Cafe down at the famed underground. There's a massive, if you ever been there you know what I'm talking about it is it's pretty pristine trust me this was like there was no hard swallowing of the throat here was my response what inspires me that's how I actually opened up my faith in Jesus Christ and I made it a clear pause right after the pause I wanted to be clear that they actually heard me clearly because that's a name that is not welcome in this world and I said and I'm unapologetic about that I said you see because that's the lens for which I saw problems for which I see the world which I'm able to honor you as a man or a woman and I said you know what's interesting about the golden rule Jesus himself said to love your neighbor as yourself I said the problem is is that most of us don't even love ourselves so we don't know how to love others we treat others like we treat ourselves the numbers of heads that were just dropping and just shock. It was almost as if I should, they should revolt against me, but they, they could not say anything. And I said, for me, religion is not a thing to be grasped like you attain it as a degree. It's not something that you are tagged and you become. It's your choice to follow him who gave up all and set this standard for wholeness in life, for truth, for righteousness. That was as much of a sermon as they got, and that was almost word for word verbatim. If you actually go to Advertising Week, you actually see the video and you can see it. And then I said, of course, my late grandfather. was really a great inspiration to me in bringing me to the Lord. And I'll kid you not, secular folks who don't know Christ, by and large 
erupted in applause. And that was not something I expected. And when the entire event was over back in the green room, the rest of that panel said to me, you know, Egypt, when you said that about your faith in Jesus, you gave us permission to have courage. I'm talking about 30-year advertising executives that just deal with money over money and their God is money. It's stuff. It's position. So I found out more that the message that God had been shaping me over this last 14 months is not that, Egypt, you're a speaker or you're a pastor or you're a husband or you're a servant. You're, you're a son of the Most High God who gets to speak, who gets to be a husband, who gets to encourage others, who gets to work in technology. You just get to do those things. That's what you do. That's not who you are. So I have to wonder, how many husbands, how many wives, how many grandmas and grandpas, how many young people do we have here enough to hear my voice that you think that your identity is wrapped up in what you do or what you can accomplish? You know, you can sell all you want to sell. You're always going to need to sell more. You can build all you want to build, but you're going to have to build more. At the end of the day, there's only one thing that matters, and that's Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I have the freedom to say that because we're inside of a church building. But trust me, there's honestly, I think we'd all agree, there's nothing special about the walls. Buildings have walls. So that night, it happened to be that the Hard Rock Cafe was the church building. And given the opportunity, will you lead? It's not a question of whether leaders are made or born. Maybe the better question is, when given the opportunity to lead, will you? And that's been my life over the last 14 months. It was back in February that my ministry partner, 52-year-old Garrett Breland, I don't even know if any of you know him or knew him, but he tragically passed away. He was a guy we met every week for years. That was my brother in ministry. And the Lord took him home. His son is a freshman, one of the highly recruited wide receivers out of Tribuco Hills High School, playing for University of Oregon. They're not doing too well right now. But the Lord took Garrett home, and it, it, it caused me to step back and say, you know what, life really is short. All these wild dreams that are floating around up in here, and trust me, you don't want to get up in here because I can't even handle all the stuff that's going on trying to contain that. Life is short. You could live to be 100 years old, and life is but a vapor. It's here one moment, it's gone the next. So I wonder, as we sit here in the heat, you don't have to be here. You get to be here. My perspective has been sharpened. It's just been renewed. It's just been replaced with a holy perspective that I get to do these things for God, but it's only for a limited time. So I wonder how many of you have really hugged your family member when you came in and you didn't just say, hey, how you doing, but you actually stopped and really listened to what you were saying. The power of words means so much more to me. The power of time and margin means so much more to me now. If there's any last thing you ever hear from me, any last thing, know that the last words I ever said to you were, I love you. And guess what? It wasn't a generality. I actually mean it. Thank you for being my family. Thank you for being a family to my family. Being a supporter of the ministry of Out of Egypt Ministries. I still have a much bigger vision that I think God's refining now and it has to do with building a school. The Leadership Academy. We are, we are missing a generation. And instead of me focusing on the next generation, God is planning me to focus on this generation. 
You know, to add to your numbers, you just add followers. But to multiply, you lead leaders. And I love that concept because, you know, John Maxwell talked a lot about in his books on leadership about really multiplying leaders. And really, that's the Paul, Timothy, Barnabas model of discipleship. Do you have a Barnabas in your life? An older, more savvy, more wise counsel in your life that's willing to pull your cry card, your crybaby card? How about that whiny little Timothy that you don't know why they keep pulling on your shirt sails and wants your time, but do you have a Timothy in your life? Who's that person? Is someone pouring into you and are you pouring into someone else? That's really the challenge of the day. I'm not here to do anything more than to build you up and to encourage you and let you know I do pray for you. Do you remember? And I'll end on this. Remember Project Skid Row? Any of you? You know what? That has never been about the food. It's never really been about a bunch of people coming together and building backpacks and all that cool stuff. You know what it was really about? It was about giving us an opportunity for people to spend time with people that we would not otherwise do. You would not otherwise spend time with other people. And you don't need a ministry project to do ministry. You just need to have air in your lungs and a willing heart to follow Christ. Would you pray with me and I'll pray Psalm 46.10 for us. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? I want to close with this. The scripture says, Be still and know that I am God. Hmm. Do you know that Jesus is the Christ? I mean, do you really know that? Is that a head intellectual connection that you've made or is that a decision, a choice that you've stepped out of your boundaries and said, yes, I know him, I love him, I follow him. I'll do what he commands me to do because of my love for him. Be still and know. Well, know what? Is this learn about the Bible, get into a small group? Is this about accomplish things in my career? Do you know that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword that is able to truthfully separate truth from lie to give you a right perspective on the right response in every circumstance of your life? Be still. That's a tough one for some of us. Can we simply just sit still for a moment? Can you hold that thought to be still? Can you hold your body to be still, your mind to be still, and just listen for the voice of God? He really does have a voice. He really will speak to you. He speaks to us through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, through other believers. He speaks to us through, his, through our pastor. He speaks to us even through nature. He created this. It all calls back to Him. Do you listen for his voice? And finally, be. What will you be when you leave here today? Will you be the same or have you been changed? Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We surrender our will to yours. We love you. Open our eyes that we may see and discern and understand. Humble us in our spirits that we may serve 
our families, our wives, our husbands, our children, that we may listen, that we may be attentive. But more importantly, Lord, that as we are still, that we may come to a place of worship. And even our DNA would utter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Father, prepare us for the great work that you have ahead of us, whether we are to go physically and do things or whether we are to pray for others or whether we are in a season of being still and being quiet and being shaped for your purpose in your glory. Thank you, Father, for today. Today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We honor you in the name of he who goes by the Hebrew name, Yeshua. Jesus of Nazareth, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Love you, Love you, too. Thank you. All right. Wow. Hey, let's all stand. Okay, close your eyes. Bow your head. Father, this day we ask that you might speak to our hearts and allow us this week to have the phenomenal blessing to know that you are God, to see you moving in our lives this week in specific ways and know that you are God, to hear you speaking through various people you're going to bring into our lives and know that you are God. Father, allow your will to be done this week. Allow us to experience more and more of you in a variety of ways as only you can. And we ask for that in Jesus' gracious name. Bless This congregation we ask in his name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.